You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Dear listeners, welcome to Lead to Soar. And my name is Mel. Let me just start by saying that this is an explicit episode. So welcome, Michelle, my delightful co-host. How are you doing today? I'm so happy because I am such a sweary person and I'm laughing because I went, oh God, which episode isn't explicit? Most of them because we try and bleep them out. But yeah, this will be good because I get to swear in the right context, of course. But hey, Mel, good to be here. We are here today to talk about International Women's Day, which we have a love-hate relationship with and sometimes leaning more towards the hate side. So let's start with why does International Women's Day exist? It's a day to celebrate women, acknowledge women's accomplishments, and take time to advocate for gender equality in different ways. And we'll also acknowledge here that most of what Michelle and I work on has to do with women at work in countries like the US, Australia, Europe, and the challenges that we face towards equity and equality in these places are very different than in other countries. So we want to acknowledge that. So International Women's Day shows up in the workplace, and sometimes it's a problem. Why is that, Michelle? Well, I just took a deep breath because I feel like every year I get to either, it's usually around January of of the year. And the reason I get to this point is I start getting a flurry of requests to speak at an International Women's Day event, typically for some corporation. Now, dear listeners, when this first started happening, I was ecstatic because it first started happening. Actually, it started happening before I started my business. So I was a guest on a number of panels and things like that when I was still an executive leader because, hey, you've got an executive leader who's in a bank in a running a digital and technical area. So I was a bit of a rarity. So I got to front up and that was great because I do like speaking. I do like being on panels. Then, of course, when I started my business, I'd get these requests and I'd go, great, here's an opportunity for exposure and people can learn more about me. And then very quickly, I learned to become a bit more irritated about this day and these requests because typically, and whilst it is getting better, I'm going to put some caveats around that, typically, I would be asked to give my labor for free because International Women's Day events don't have a budget for speakers. So I'd be asked as a self-employed woman to turn up and do stuff for free. And there was a very high expectation. So the great irony of celebrating women, our accomplishments, our advancements, and of course, celebrating those women who have gone before us was expected to be done by women for free. So I started to, as all of us do, you know, when I first started going to International Women's Day's event, which wasn't that long ago because it just wasn't a thing when I was growing up professionally. It really only came onto my radar, I don't know, maybe 
10, 15 years ago. I don't know. I can't remember. And I was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, yeah, go to sisterhood and blah, blah, blah. And then as you learn more, you evolve and grow as a human and you start to look at things with a more informed lens on. And I started to go, oh, you know what? Fuck this. This sucks, man, because A, I'm expected to do stuff for free. B, this is all organized by women in organizations, typically on top of their day jobs. C, they're not given budgets or enablement or empowerment, don't like the word empowerment, to actually do anything beyond organize a morning tea, blah, blah, blah. And where am I up to? C, D, I don't know what letter I'm up to. But anyway, the final thing is, and you know what? Every time I showed up, Mel, guess who I was talking to? Women. And I've got to tell you, for the most part, you know, varying degrees, that was preaching to the damn choir. I'd look around and go, ooh, spot the man. Oh, there's one. Oh, my God. And then, of course, in some events where there were those sprinkling of men, they'd be lauded as heroes for turning up and, oh, my God, you're so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And you and I came across an organization that is taking this to another level They're called Fuck the Cupcakes because oftentimes the only thing that has a budget for IWD is tea and cupcakes, right? Oh, yes. It'll be get some lovely cupcakes. Now, I've got nothing against cupcakes, folks. I'll put it out there right now. In fact, I've got this amazing woman that I know here in Melbourne who actually has a business around cupcakes and her cupcakes are freaking awesome. But I've got to tell you, you can fuck your cupcakes. I don't want cupcakes or some other sugary, frippery, whatever. I'd actually like equal rights, equal pay, reduction of harm against women. Yeah, those are the kind of things I'm interested in. So no, I don't want the organisation to focus on cupcakes. I want them to focus on a whole bunch of other stuff, including on the other 364 days a year. Yeah. So there's a lot here. Let's start with what not to do. And then let's talk about what leaders and organizations should consider for IWD. So first off, there's a lot of talk about performative DEI work. And I would lump some of the activities that happen with IWD under that performative sort of category. So help our listeners understand what does that really mean? What does it mean to be doing something performative? And how does that manifests on a day like IWD. Yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm going to call out Jasmine Badia, who is the founder of of Fuck the Cupcakes. And she said, and she's just done a really cool video (laughs) because like me, she goes, here we go again, here I go again. And she talks about why did I start this movement? And I've got to tell you people, get behind it because it's fantastic. But because she said, I want to respond to the organizational virtue signaling around International Women's Day. So virtue signaling or performative DEI work means, hey, hey, look at me and this is what I'm doing. And if you've ever thought about or done work on your values, listeners, you'll know that when we ask you to think about your values, we say, what do you do when someone's watching? What do you do when no one's watching? Michelle, help us understand what performative DEI is. This is something that that comes up a lot. And I want our listeners to really understand what a performative action or activities look like with respect to something like International Women's Day. 
So anything performative or virtue signaling, as Jasmine Badia, the founder of Fuck the Cupcake, says, is something that is done to perform. It is done to, hey, look at me, what a good person I am for doing this. And and we talk about, you know, in leadership, we talk about there's, there's three parts to our leadership identity. The internalized, I am a leader. The external, you're seen as a leader by others, and then you act as a leader. And I often add to that, I say, I act as a leader even when no one's watching. So what are the things that you would do when no one's watching? When you're not going to get a big, beautiful gold star for being such a great human. At an organizational level, that means you do stuff all year around for the advancement and equity around women. So the opposite of that is, as we've said, hey, let's have a morning tea for international or some other event, panel, blah, 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 for International Women's Day. We're going to get some catering. We're going to get some external speakers. And I've got to say, I have benefited from that, folks. So I'm down with this. But we may pay our external speaker. Let's assume they pay me, okay, and people like me. But I won't hear from that organization ever again. And I will often, and I've got to tell you, leaders of organizations who may be tuning into this, and my crikey, I hope you are, I hear from the women in those organizations. Michelle, we loved you. We loved what you said. We loved the actionable insights you provided us. But man, it's hard to work here because they're not interested in doing anything other than a once a day, rah, rah, we love women. That's one. Number two, it's up to the women to organize International Women's Day. And for those of you who commemorate Mother's Day, I've got to say I don't because I think it's commercial. How many people on Mother's Day have to do work for Mother's Day who are mothers? This would be like saying, hey, mothers, how about you celebrate Mother's Day by doing all the work? No. So on International Women's Day, it's women who show up, women who are organizing. Now, I can already hear the howls of, but I went to an event. I am a bloke and I was involved in it. Great, good on you. But you are the exception, not the rule, because I see a sea of women every time this time of year comes around again. And finally, I'm going to come back to this again in our what you must do about this. I see no one, particularly not the men from the executive leadership team involved in any part of International Women's Day, despite the fact that in many, many geographical jurisdictions, mine included, we have gender targets, gender reporting, workplace gender reporting. And we know that investors, shareholders, stakeholders are looking for, we know that we get better outcomes in business, better business outcomes when we have a greater representation of women. And I've got to tell you, folks, not just white women, able-bodied white women like Mel and I, all women from all walks of life. So, We're not seeing executives, particularly male executives, show up in any way, shape or form, except for maybe they might come in and open up the session and go, thanks very much. Here I am. What a great guy I am. And off they go. So that's virtue signaling. That's performative DEI. Okay. So that is really clear for us. Let's sidebar here a moment on intersectionality. So we strive to do our work and look at things through the intersectional lens. And that means that 
we want to understand and meet women where they are from all walks of life. So looking at things with the intersectional lens, the best I can describe it here on the spot is it's what we do with understanding how the intersection of identities can compound the experience of a person. So we are women, but Black women have different experiences in the workplace than we do. Women with visible disabilities have a different experience than we do. Someone who is neurodivergent has a different experience than we do. And of course, there's all kinds of layers of this. We're not just one or two identities. We have multiple. So the idea with intersectionality is that if we're going to truly have equity in the workplace, we have to understand that women are not a homogenous group. And there are a variety of experiences among us that have to be considered. I want to illustrate that, Mel, with an example I give when I'm taking teams through a strategy build, a DEI strategy build. And the very first part of of what I do with every single client I engage with is go through DEII fundamentals. What is diversity? What is equity? What is inclusion? And what is intersectionality? And the example I give around intersectionality is I say, okay, look at me. I'm a woman. I'm white. I'm in my 50s and I'm gay. They are some of my identity characteristics. I'm not thin. So which part of my identity gives me an advantage? Which part of my identity either disadvantages me or puts barriers in my way? And you can see people looking puzzled. And I usually let the silence hold for a bit. And then I say, the truth is you don't know, do you? And people go, no. And I go, and neither do I. But the reality is some of it will have advantaged me. Some of it won't have. Some of it we just don't know. But what we've got to do is be conscious of removing homogenous mindsets. So we want to take away our need to have a group of homogenous people in charge. So that means being really aware. And it is deep work and it is hard work, but it's very, very rewarding when you start to open yourself up to this learning. Am I an expert? Crikey no, but I'm going to learn every single day. I talk about this, learn about it, talk to other people. So we want to take that into account. And as I said at the start, we're very conscious that as two able-bodied white women, we do not speak for women with other uh, intersecting identities. But what we do have, which is a superpower, is empathy and a thirst for knowledge about how we can create equitable environments for those women. Okay, so let's bring this intersectionality sort of lens back to the discussion on IWD. So we talked about the performative part, but for organizations to get it right, what does a meaningful IWD look like inside a a company, right? What can that look like? Well, number one, that it's just one activation on a roadmap for the implementation of your DEI strategy. So activation, so those of you who have got marketing in your DNA, you'll know what an activation is. An activation is an event of some description that activates 
people's imagination, interest in, etc. So we ask people to turn up to something and partake in something to become aware of something. So IWD in a perfect environment, Mel, will be just one thing in a consistent roadmap of activities that create an equitable culture for women in your organisation. So it wouldn't be a big deal, quite frankly. Like it would be fun and it will be inspiring and there might be some gnashing of teeth because we use it as a point in our year to say how far have we still got to go. We use it as a tool to be transparent, visibly focused on and very transparent about our performance as an organisation, equitable organisation. So it'll be a whole bunch of things, but it won't be the only thing. Right. Okay. So most of us are not living the experience of a utopia for women in the workplace, let's say. But let's talk to the leaders here who are here for a reason. They're here because they want to do better. They want to make things better. So I'm hearing from what you just said, I'm hearing a couple of things that I really like, which are as leaders, you've set targets, you've set goals, and maybe you're using IWD as an opportunity to update your team members on where are you on your equity journey? What do the numbers look like? Where is it not going well? Where are you looking for support from your team members? What else would you add to that? I would like leaders to create a bunch of enabling tools for folks who want to do IWD. Now, I know that there are a whole bunch of people out there who say, but gee, Michelle, I really love getting involved in International Women's Day because we do do it right, blah, blah, blah. But some of the things I want you to think about as a leader, have you given the working group who's responsible for your International Women's Day commemoration, have you given them time? So you've relieved them of some workload. Have you given them resources, including financial resources, to do it properly? And have you given them air cover? Because they will encounter resistance. They will encounter, as one of my... (laughs) I remember Lindsay Nosworthy, big shout out to Lindsay. She's the COO of one of the big energy companies here in Australia. I remember she posted on social media a few years ago, oh, International Women's Day, that one day of the year when it's time for every man to go, but what about International Men's Day? And that's the polite stuff because we do get the, well, hang on, why are we having an International Women's Day? Why don't we have International Men's Day? Now, my uneducated response in anger used to be, I'll get fucked. That's 364 days a year. You get every other day of the year. My now more evolved and less impolite response is, there is an International Men's Day. It's on the 19th of November. And what it's designed to do is to encourage men to rid themselves of the shackles of toxic masculinity and help them create better mental health outcomes. And that usually shuts those people up. But so leaders give those people the time, the resources and the support to make it a success. That's what I want you to do. For our lady listeners out there that, like me, are maybe still the, I don't know, less enlightened version of Michelle, if you need a place to have a bit of a rant and say, get fucked, we'd love to see you inside the Lead to Store network. 
Yeah, safe space. Okay, I want to point out on the Fuck the Cupcakes website, and I'm just going to spell it out really quickly. It's missing the U. So it's F-C-K-T-H-E cupcakes.com. One of the things you can find there is a letter or the verbiage for an email to send to a leader to encourage them to get men to show up for IWD events. So I want to take that a step further, Michelle, because what that implies is that the women of the organization are having to do this work to ask and encourage their leaders to show up and set an example and get other men to show up. So Michelle, speaking to our male leader listeners here, how can they set an example to be an ally for women? Let's start with IWD and then go further. Yeah, well, number one is to, as I said, you've got the list of stuff beforehand. Number two, make a visible verbal commitment. I will be attending, enthusiastically attending, not the, oh, Christ, I have to go to the bloody, the women's club thing. So I will be visibly and verbally enthusiastic about showing up to the International Women's Day event at my organisation. Because I've got to tell you, folks, leadership casts a long shadow. Or in a less evolved way, monkey see, monkey do. If I see the boss trotting off enthusiastically to an International Women's Day event, or better yet, volunteering for the organising committee, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to follow suit. And it does make a difference. I know you may not think it does, but by crikey leaders, you are watched and people will follow your lead. So please show up, get involved, show up, be enthusiastic, be vocal about it, please. It really is as simple as that, Mel. Some of this stuff is just not hard. People want to overcomplicate stuff. Show up, just show up. This is part of your leadership DNA. 21st century leadership skills include diversity, equity, inclusion, and intersectionality. If you haven't got those skills, I can help you with that, but show up. I would also say to the not yet convinced, please show up with an open mind. Show up and think, I'm going to go and celebrate women. And I want you to think about the women in your life that you think, wow, she's been a great, insert whatever she's been for me. And in your heart and in your head, celebrate that woman. I want you to think about her and hold her close as you go to these events. For the leaders who aren't men, take a plus one. This was a great strategy that I learned from my colleagues at the NAB who ran the Women in Technology events because they encountered this same thing right from the outset. Oh, we've got all the women coming. Awesome. And they said, right, every person who comes to an event has to bring a plus one, preferably a male colleague. So bring a plus one who's a male colleague. So for women leaders listening, think about who is in my network that I can bring along. I was about to say drag along, but no, let's bring them along. Hey, I'd really like you to come to this event with me. It's important to me and it's important to our organization. And I think you're really going to enjoy it and learn some things. So take a plus one. Thank you for that. Michelle, you wrote a great blog post, Eight Ways to Say Forget the Cupcakes and Support Women at Work. And in this, there's multiple action items, right? I don't want to give away all of them, but 
let's just point to a few of them. The first few are all about auditing different things that you consume. So auditing what you're reading, what's on your reading list, auditing what you've listened to. And if you're here, you've got a good start and auditing what you watch. So help us understand what the underlying theme is here. What are you getting at? Well, Mel, as you know, one of the many reasons I wrote my book, The Leadership Compass, was because we still see a lack of business books by women, or at least the business books by women bubbling up to the top of the best of lists. It's a numbers game as well. And part of that is some research I did, and then I've been listening to another book by a woman, says that men are four times more likely to read a book by a man than a woman, whereas women read books by both genders roughly equally. So here's one thing that you can do. Start auditing your habits, your consumption habits. Who do I read? Do I read more men authors than women authors? Who do I listen to? Do I listen to more podcasts by men or by women or radio or music, whatever it may be? Who do I follow on social media? Who do I watch on TV? So there are all sorts of micro acts of inclusion that humans can make. And I certainly know that I made a very deliberate act some years ago to prioritize buying from or consuming content, products, services, and experiences that were created by women. Because my wallet, my ears, and my eyes have power. Part of that is my sports habit. So I support women's sport. I will buy memberships to women's sport, things like that, because I have the capacity. But much of this stuff we can do without it having to cost any money as well. And it matters. It sends lots of signals. We have lots of data and lots of data is gathered by creators, by marketers, by banks, all sorts of folks to say who's viable and who's not in the business world. And when we see more ears on, eyeballs on, or consumption of content, goods, services, and experiences by women, we start to address those gender gaps. So every one of us has got that power to do that. So audit your habits. Yep, I love that. Well, for our male listeners, thank you for showing up for this. And we are grateful that you're going to take some of these action items that we've outlined and put them into place at your workplace because silence supports the status quo. And if you're just supporting women only in your mind, that's not enough. It is not. And it is, as I've written in my blog, it's way past time to remove default man. So the default position for anything has been man. It is now time to stop that. In fact, it's beyond time. And we can do that. So interrupt yourselves this International Women's Day and beyond, folks, and say, how might I include, celebrate, and advance women more? Well, I hope that you have a wonderful International Women's Day, Michelle, when you're speaking for some of your clients and listeners. Thank you for joining us and fuck the cupcakes. And P.S. I'm always open to cupcakes, just not on International Women's Day. (laughs) Same. (laughs) 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.